What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from my home studio here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I got another fantastic solution-focused episode once again. So I'm very excited. Uh, my guest tonight, we've had him on before. Uh, I guess it was back when we were doing Truthzilla. So new to the new show, Rebunked. So uh, very excited to get into some solutions tonight. But real quick, guys, I uh, just want to shout out a few ways that you could follow and support the show. So please head over to the website, Rebunked.News. Make sure you sign up for the email list. That's where you're going to get notifications about any time I go live or any announcements or anything um and then uh, so you i'll kind of revamp the website you'll see the affiliate links at the top and ways to support the show uh the social media t.me forward slash rebunked news is probably the best place over on telegram i do uh i'm, I'm around on twitter and instagram but if you like if you want to get in touch with me telegram is the best spot um, also there's a new uh open chat channel on there for all you guys to just chat with each other and that's t.me forward slash rebunked chat i haven't made a link for that yet on here but i'll get that uh, there's all the video platforms that we're on. Um, right now we're streaming on Rumble and Rockfin. And then thanks to Content Safe, they'll put us out over at Band.Video, BitChute, and Odyssey on all podcast players. Make sure you're subscribed out there so you can listen on the go. And then, of course, any like reviews, like five-star reviews or anything on Apple Podcasts, like those are super helpful too. So if you get a chance, that would be cool. And then uh, I want to shout out the Subscribestar. So Subscribestar... You know, I'm really bad about putting out premium content, but it's a great way to like be uh, like a reoccurring donor. So you can just sign up for like just like five bucks a month really helps. Um, I got two subscribers right now and apparently they won't let me cash out until I get to five subscribers. So call to action tonight and we can get a couple more subscribe star people. That'd be fantastic. But anyway, a couple of other things I want to shout out is the uh, the Rebunk shirt shop. So got all kinds of awesome things. You'll see the flag behind me. Uh, my friends over at Big Frog T-shirts developed that into a shirt by popular demand. So we got the Beavis Are You Threatening Me shirt there. Uh, 16 bucks, man. Can't beat it. There's a whole bunch of other designs. Um, Fauci gave us all AIDS again. Again. But this time it's the new and improved vaccine-acquired immune deficiency syndrome, right? So Fauci gave us all AIDS again. And then all that good stuff. So, oh, journalism is not a crime. Such a nice shirt. Look at that. That's super sharp. So they're all just super cheap. 16 bucks. Thank you, Big Frog T-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They are listeners of the show. Um, big shout out to them. Uh, so I mentioned the affiliate links real quick. Um, I can't tell you guys enough about uh, Richard Grove's autonomy course. So I had the privilege of taking that this, this season and I will be graduating tomorrow night. I will be an official autonomy graduate. So much good information. I learned so much. Like I'm still just digesting all of it. I'm going to go back and listen to it all again and really extract every little drop I can out of it, but I can't recommend it enough. Um, there's a link in the episode description and then also on the webpage at the very top, there's a, a link right there. If you want to click on that and learn more about autonomy, um, it's just such a, you know, really powerful, uh, not only just like the information. And then of course, if you guys are familiar with Richard, just his style as a lecturer, instructor, just unbelievable. And then, uh, the community itself is such a huge asset. So we're in there, we're, we're taking on projects together and I feel like I made some really solid connections. And then, uh, truth TRS is the heavy metal detox spray. So, uh, this is my affiliate page that I created to support it. So, um, go check it out at truthtrs.com. It's a zeolite heavy metal detox. Um, as you can see, like I've, I've seen a lot of different, um, protocols for like, you know, detoxing from like, you know, all the crazy stuff in the world. And then the zeolites are mentioned on a lot of them. And so this is a uh, zeolite product that really helps with that. I've taken it quite a bit over the years and it's just, you know, the brain fog was my biggest thing. Like just, I didn't even know I had brain fog until I started taking it. 
and I realized, holy crap, like I'm so much more clear and focused. So that's really it. That's really it, you guys. Um, yeah. So without further ado, and thank you guys as always for hanging out with me while we take care of the business in the beginning. You know, it's just one of those things, one of those things. So, all right, guys, without further ado, I'm going to bring in my guest tonight. This is Mark Malone from America 21, America 21 century.com. America 21. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Good to speak to you again, Scott. Been a little yeah, while. Had more been. children since. I know you were just telling me about that before, man. So, uh, man, you know, it's super inspiring that like, you know, there so much of this agenda, they're trying to demoralize us and tell us like humans are bad, you know, mm -hmm. humans are gross, humans are disgusting and the world's like, you know, we're running out of room and all that stuff. And it's like, no, man, like the, the, they're trying to trap us in this place where we're feeling demoralized. And then a lot of just society is structured around, you know, incentivizing things other than having kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And right. I will, I will admit, man, like I fell deep into that trap. I always thought of like, you know, kids that, that being like, you know, a, an inconvenience. It'd be like, oh, that'll just prevent me from like doing what I want to do in life. And now mm -hmm. that I'm getting into like, you know, my late thirties here, I'm like, oh, I was completely wrong. Yeah. I see it a lot in the truth of circles actually, yeah. you know, now that you bring it up, uh, it's a surprising amount of people in sort of our groups who say, I don't want to bring a child into the world. You know, it's. New World Order has come in or End Times has come in, which is even worse, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And it's it, it is sad, really, because part of the part of the I mean, for me, anyway, what, what having children has done has kind of forced me to grow in a way that I wouldn't have been forced to grow without children, in particular, having to really overcome obstacles. And I've talked about this a lot recently because it's a, it's New Year, an important time to really think about it. But. But I think there's a deeper purpose to this, which is, you know, and we can perhaps get into some of the philosophy of it, but I believe that overcoming adversity is actually our purpose on earth. I think it's the reason we're here. You see, in the spirit form, you know, you're kind of like, I guess you could say you're in a kind of a perfect state. Whereas here, you feel the temptations, you feel the struggles, you feel the pain, the trauma. And overcoming that and growing from that, I really believe is our, is our telos, our, our purpose, our end goal. That's what we're here for. And really, children really push you through that fire. You know, Jesus talks about baptism by fire. The Holy Spirit will baptize you by fire. And I think that is really the case. You will be baptized by, by the necessity of it, the pressure of it. So I wouldn't be doing all of the stuff that we have done in America 21 had I not had children. I'd have been like, you know what? Fuck people. They deserve this future. That's what I would have said. And I probably include myself in that. We all kind of deserve it to a degree. The children don't. You know, they mm -hmm. don't deserve it. They didn't choose it. Uh, we're leaving them a shit inheritance. Am I allowed to swear? I guess it's too Yes, late. of course. Go ahead. You're, you're good. Um, so I think that, that that would be the one thing I would say is it, it, it forces you to be better than you were. Yeah, man. And, and so I, I feel that now. So I've kind of recalibrated my, uh, you know, what I'm trying to seek in a woman, I guess, to kind of have that be a potential thing. But, you know, at the same time, I guess I'm at the point where I'm resolved to that being not the case, but it'd be nice, you know? And so it's kind of interesting. My worldview has shifted quite a bit over the last year or so, just in, or I guess it's been a couple of years now that that's like become maybe a bit of a priority, you know, and I'm trying to structure my life in such a way that maybe could accommodate such a thing sometime down the road. So we'll see, but uh, good job, man. That's awesome. So you got three kids now? Three under three. Yeah. So three under three. Uh, my son was born when the COVID lockdown started in March of 2020. He was born the 12th of March, 2020, Whoa. right when this all hit. And then my daughter was born in the summer of 2021. And then my other daughter was born uh, in August of, of 2022. So one every year so far. 
so yeah, it's really it's um, that first baby, obviously born when this all began, was uh, you know kind of changed something in me that never went back. You know, and it, it kind of I was like, what have I brought my son into? That was going on, you know. But uh, looking back on it, that was again that was necessary for me to 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 do the path that I'm now doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, let's get into yeah. it a little bit. So, um, America 21. Uh, it's it seems like well, it's kind of like a playoff in like Agenda 21. I guess is that kind of my understanding? Or yeah, you could look at it as just the antithesis. The antithesis, uh, yes. Right. So, in, in Hegelian form, you know, we we have our own antithesis. So in this case, they've they've offered a thesis, uh, Agenda 21 global governance and we're like no i think we'll we'll do a different thing we'll do the opposite and we'll mm-hmm. set out our own agenda for the 21st century one that is obviously sovereign and free um but the name didn't the name ultimately doesn't matter that much the sure. the organization is really just there as kind of like an educational platform and that's both for people ordinary people as well as for state governments um, really, the idea is that we just have to drive this direction, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that idea is to, to go against global governance because the, the COVID stuff taught me one thing, taught, taught me a lot of things, taught us all a lot of things. But one major thing that I think has been missed, we spend too long on narratives. Our group spent, and I include myself in this, uh, spent months up to years dispelling a narrative while the infrastructure was built underneath the narrative and then the, the infrastructure is built regardless of the excuse. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the infrastructure is built mostly on climate change, not COVID anyway. But it doesn't really matter, right? Tomorrow it could be World War III uh, or it could be the Project Bluebeam aliens. None of it really matters. The point is, is that the infrastructure they're building is what matters, not the narrative. Yet we are being duped into the narrative with them, which is what they want. So the idea of America 21 primarily is we don't have time to do the narrative thing anymore. Let's just go right underneath to what they're actually doing, not what they're telling you you should focus on, uh, but what they're actually doing. What are they building? What is the new world order? What is the Great Reset? And then once we located what that actually is and how that works, we just attack that. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's what I've always admired and appreciated about your work is like you are uh, very action oriented and you're getting results. And uh, I'm excited to talk about some of the the wins and successes you guys have been having. So that's really, really cool. So before we get too far into it, why don't we uh, hear a little bit about your background, like a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this? Yeah. Yeah. So my wife's from Minnesota. We got married in 2018. I moved to America in uh, early 2018. Uh, so then we were in california at the time and obviously since then we've had a few children Mm -hmm. um i actually i have a very kind of strange background because i come from the i come from a well like a ghetto uh, environment you know in our version council estate what you call the project single mother government housing several members of my family were drug dealers several members have gone to prison uh you pick up any inner city guy and hear the rap album story that's my story i've seen all the same things i was a touring musician for most of my life uh adult life but uh in from an academic sense i took philosophy of science classes at oxford um and philosophy of science is what we do is we look at the the methods of science so for example you have like physics you have biology you have chemistry and then within that, of course, you have other disciplines, medicine, you know, whatever. Now, in this case, what we do is we look at the actual overall methods that people use in all branches of science, in some cases specific. So in this case, let's take the, the quote, scientific method. There isn't such a thing. 
as the scientific method. There are many scientific methods that are used and have been used throughout history. So for example, what we would do in philosophy of science then is we'd, we'd take apart the methods and make sure like, is that correct? And if it isn't, what is a better method to replace this method? Uh, the types of knowledge, empiricism, which is about observation. Empiricism is a category of epistemology, a category of knowledge, and it's about ob observation. I observe X leads to Y, therefore Z. That's, that's empiricism, it's observation. Uh, but there's, of course, lots of knowledge that isn't observation. Mathematics isn't observation, right? Mathematics kind of transcends observation. So then we have lots of knowledge that isn't even what we see with our eyes. You know, like one plus one equals two is is two, regardless of whether I see it with my eyes or mm -hmm. not. So in this particular case, um, this is, of course, where science begins to fall short and where philosophy of science would be really useful. But it isn't used for this reason because it would actually be useful. Because then we would start to say, well, maybe this uh, theory... This conspiracy theory isn't so nuts just because we haven't observed the, the data, so to speak. Why don't we look at it from a rational case? Why don't we look at it from a logical case? But they don't do that. They're like, no, nope, I haven't observed this thing in this control condition. And they're using a very limited scope of knowledge in a very broad category that we call science. So there's a lot of problems with that. And again, lots of different methods. There's like falsification. There's uh, the research program. There's all sorts of different things. So the point is, you know, at Oxford, I learned kind of how that works to at least on a foundational degree. And then I've worked in sort of, I worked as an analyst for the University of Nottingham, and I've done that in the corporate world as well, uh, data science, things like that, which is really just like modeling results based on like behavior, whether that's like academic stuff or even like consumer behavior in, in the corporate world, which is what I did when I came to America. I worked with the university just before I came here. So that's kind of the background. But I started on, I mean, I first heard about the New World Order in 2010. Mm. So I've had a background in this stuff for quite a long time. You know, I was 17, 31 now, when I first, quote, woke up or at least started to. So in all of this work that I've done, I actually had the kind of background already long, long before COVID, you know, came along. Okay, that's amazing. And then so how did, uh, how did you get in the fight, for, you know, so being new to America, you know, America is an amazing country. You know what I mean? There, there's so much, and, and you know, it's built such a, an amazing thing that's, that's spread all over the world, man. Like it's a beautiful thing, but there's also just like such pure evil too out of it, you know? Uh, so you come to America as a, as a new, you know, from, from, from the UK and uh, like, how did you get activated to be such a fierce, staunch advocate for America? Like what, what was that? What was that process like for you? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. It was quite a, an organic process. It, you know, America was was founded by Englishmen like me who sure. rejected the king and but didn't reject everything about the English way of doing things. And America's retained some of the English way of doing things, into, like English common law being the, the best example of that, right? The, uh, the idea that the law should be based upon how much pressure I apply on you, basically, is how English common law works. It's... it's uh, Kind of what Jesus says, do unto mm -hmm. others what you'd have done unto you. So America retained that, but but improved it and perfected it in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. So there, there are still core English aspects. But of course, what America did was properly codify that as like, so in England, the problem is, is that the Constitution, this English common law system is monarchical, meaning it only works if the king is there. And it's funny, too, because as an anti-monarchist, uh, I've actually found myself in this precarious position where now I actually 
want England to keep the king because the king goes, the constitution, the Magna Carta and everything goes mm. with it. Whereas in America, the system is better because the constitution is the king, in a sense. Mm. The, 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 you know, the Bill of Rights is the head of state, really. That's how it's supposed to be. And all decisions are supposed to be filtered through that. Um, you know, so I guess from my perspective, it just felt very organic. I was like, I'm just 300 years late off the boat. That's mm. all. But I'm one of the dudes who should have been here in the 1700s. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. I feel like there's a little bit of that too. I mean, maybe I got a little bit of English blood in me too. You know, that's awesome. Um, so, okay. So uh, there's so many things that I wanted to get into tonight. Um, the first thing, like, let's just kind of define some of this stuff. So, um, when you talk about global governance, uh, I know that there's a distinction between, you know, we talk about this totalitarian world government, like, you know, a one world government type of thing. But what we're seeing now is the emergence of like these non-governmental organizations that have completely seized power. So can you kind of tell us like what your definition and what your view on is the difference between government, like world government and world governance? Yeah, it's really, really critical because this is part of the part of the problem that we've had in our movement is that people have been saying it's coming it's coming one day the the overlord is going to rise up and the world government's going to solidify uh, and that kind of makes it seem like we're in one place and then we're in another place but actually when you realize it's global governance you realize that actually it's more like a moving train as opposed to a destination here than here so we're actually already in global governance we're just at like 25 percent capacity mm. versus 50 or 100 percent capacity 100% would be around 2050, maybe 75% by 2030. So we're already in global governance. That's what the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission and the United Nations and, and all these uh, supranational groups are. You know, the Council on Foreign Relations has a section called the Institute for Global Governance. You can mm -hmm. Google it. So this is very out in the open and very much exists. And why it's important is because for, from our perspective, we're going to fight it. We have to realize that we're not fighting something that's coming, but something that's already here just something that's not fully there yet, but it's already here. And this very much applies to the social credit system, which we should talk about as well, I'm sure yep. we will at some yep. point, because uh, that's already here too, just not fully activated yet. So when it comes to the, uh, the global governance, it's interesting because then you Google, you might have seen this, did you, uh, did you see this meme going around from Wikipedia that had New World Order conspiracy theory? New World Order politics. Did you see that? No, I okay. saw the YouTube video. Did you see that YouTube video? You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, let me see if I can pull because this is just so priceless. This is this is just, you'll you'll out of anybody will get a kick out of this. Let me see if I can pull it up here. But anyway, keep going, keep going. I'm gonna see if I okay. can find it here. So this is a uh, you know classic gaslighting where they say, hey, this thing doesn't exist. It's not real, but at the same time, it is real. However, they do have a point in this, which goes back to what I was just saying, which is the hypothesis, the New World Order conspiracy theory that they have on Wikipedia is mm -hmm. based in world government. But the New World Order that they have that's a legit New World Order, and it has in parentheses politics, is about global governance. So the point is, is that they've been kind of stringing people along for a long time, saying this is just a conspiracy theory based purely on the difference between government and governance. And that's important, right? Because if we were to say have a defamation case, let's just say uh, Rockefeller Foundation, we're going to take them to court because of breaking constitutional law. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were to do a defamation case and we were to call it world government on the case, every fact could be true. But because the proposition is wrong, the case wouldn't work. So that's why the terminology in the legalese is really critical that we, we know that what we know exactly what it is we're fighting because otherwise we, we can't actually fight it can't hold people accountable 
uh, for something that isn't there in writing somewhere. So that's um, really important. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And, and I would also say, uh, as as it relates to kind of this uh, this broader thing as a whole, um, you won't even find global governance language, you know, specifically say in state law. Mm -hmm. uh, what you will find is sustainable development. Sure. And that is the code word for global governance. So uh, that's why we kind of have to go through this process of figuring out what exactly is it, because sustainable development doesn't actually mean anything to do, of course, with like preservationism or conservationism. It means the control of resources. It means the control of the means of production and consumption, not just production like the communists, but consumption as well. And we've seen this, of course, right? Like you, mm -hmm. we, you need to use less heat, et cetera. So it's not even like they're just divvying up the resources say you're going to have this amount of resources they're saying you're going to have this amount and we're going to control how much of it you use and when you use it so it's much much further ahead than say you know the soviet system or whatever else that happened before um so sustainable development means control of resources control of means production and consumption and that's what global governance is yeah they're they're so sneaky with their vernacular and how they uh try to put all this flowery language around to uh you know kind of hide the fact that they're up to no good they're up to no good okay i did find this here let me let me pull this up here you'll appreciate this so this is on the youtube this is youtube okay and this is the page of the world government summit right this is their official page and look at the title of this video are we ready for a new world order right and look in the video i just paused it in the background it says world government summit 2022 i think i can't remember where this was at uh the uae i think something like that Anyway, look at this. There's a nice little fact check here that says the new world order is a conspiracy theory that hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government. <laughs> and the new world order is a, is a conspiracy theory. It says, are we ready for a new world order at the world government summit? Yeah, like, it's funny. On. I screenshot that once before. But okay, you get yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. this video, different yeah. video. Uh, one of uh, Kissinger Associates, which was like a, a firm of Henry Kissinger's. Yeah. And the guy was talking about calling for a new world order, and I had the same thing underneath, and I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, um, yeah. You know, so they, so yeah, they they do do this often, but but from our perspective, it's really important because if we're going to gut out a project, we really need to know what exactly it is that we're gutting out and what we're looking for. That's that's the critical thing because at your city hall, wherever you live, because ultimately this rolls out locally, um, you need to know what you're looking for to make mm -hmm. this work. Yeah, well, I sent you that video in the little private chat here just so you can have it for your records because it's cool. it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. So one of, one of the things, too, that really so I, I actually went to your website. And I want to give this uh, give you a shout out here. So America 21 century dot com. Uh, I hope everybody goes and checks it out. There's a lot of good information here. So um, he does, you know, Mark, you did a great job of, uh, you know, given given this timeline. And I want to talk about this. Like I've heard you on other shows talk about the 2025 deadline, what they got going on there. But um, I hope everybody spends some time here. The how it works um, section is like just a little, just a little timeline, a little timeline of like what's going on. But uh, more so, um, you have your, uh, your thesis that you wrote on here. And I wanted to shout that out because I read it and it's Oh, yeah, there it is read thesis. So this is this is a powerful thing. There's a lot of good information in here just to define what it is we're up against and just a very inspiring, well-written piece, man. So like, just really kudos to you for this. One of the things that kudos really- Kudos to you for reading it. It's long, yeah. I know. It's, it's long, but it's it's good. It's very useful. And there's a lot of stuff in here. Like I've taken recently, I took a, a logic course. So I, I was my first dabbling in, you know, the, the cool. world of epistemology, metaphysics, things like that. Like these were new concepts to me. So it was cool to kind mm -hmm. of see this in action. 
Um, but also, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me that I want to get your take on is, you know, you describe this and we hear again in the truth community, a lot of people describe this whole thing as a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a very spiritual thing that requires a spiritual solution. I was hoping you could maybe talk a little bit about how you see this as a spiritual battle. Yeah. So uh, it might be useful just to give a little bit of background on the metaphysics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I think in this case, when we when we look at physics, uh, metaphysics through philosophy, you know, we look at these core categories, things like mathematics, logic. But where I think it's really helpful to think about this is, you know, the spirit, the soul is abstract. Like, it's not like a thing that I can grab. It's not like a thing that we quantify in our empirical observational type of science. But yet neither is mathematics or logic. And yet mm-hmm. mathematics, if I'm to write out a formula on my whiteboard, I have a whiteboard here. So I write out a formula. That's just symbols on a whiteboard. Yet if I can take that and I can build this machine called a computer that we're speaking through mm-hmm. or a bridge or a car, really the entire world, the, the desk I'm using, the clothes that we have, measurements, everything is based on this kind of geomo- geom- uh, geometrical or mathematical structuring. And yet, we can't quantify any of them. Like, we actually have to use geometry or mathematics or logic to even do the investigation or the quantification. So it's like you can't quantify the very thing you're using to even do the study to begin with, right? It's, it's, it's like eat, trying to eat your own mouth. It's hmm. not possible. So in this particular case, our metaphysics then, our soul and our spiritual battle is the same. You know, we can't really, like, tangibly, like, feel our soul or the presence of God, yet... Just like with the mathematics, we know if we take an abstract and we play it out in physical 3D reality, it's actually more real than the 3D reality. And in this case, like like a, the mathematics, great example, without the abstract, this civilization can't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's very much the same for us with 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 God, with spirit, with with everything that we have to do that I call towards the, the mission of the transcendent. If we don't retain or improve our spiritual health in this it's all for nothing. It's kind of a waste of time. You know, I'm, I, I know a lot of people who are kind of trying to do the sort of traditional Catholic movement. And a lot of them are thinking the world's crazy. We need to go back. And I understand that, but we can't go back because we're different people now. And I'm not just talking because of, oh, we have like new improved enlightened ideas. I mean, the trauma and the awakening that we've experienced has made us different people. We can never pretend that we are great grandparents we can't be right. Look at what we've seen. Look at what we've experienced. Look at who we are as a people. So, you know, if we imagine ourselves kind of like someone who's had some type of, uh, I use the example of an addiction. Mm-hmm. You can be better than you were before when you get over an addiction, but you can't, you're not the same person you were before. You can be better. Absolutely. Or you can remain in that and be worse. So you can be better or worse. You can descend or transcend, but what you absolutely cannot do is return. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the critical thing that we have to understand in us on the spiritual point. You know, uh, I am a religious man, but I know that who we are and where we're going and what we've been through and what we're going to go through will not take us back to what we once were. So we have to figure out where we go with that. Like what is going to be, what is the church going to look like? It certainly can't look like it has looked like. There's a reason it failed. And we have to be honest about that. Why did it fail? Well, there's many reasons, but one of the major reasons is probably because when people asked for an answer for something, you just quoted a book to them and didn't really give them a good answer. <laughs> and this is what yeah. I had when I was looking for God. I'd be like, but why? And they'd be like, because the Bible says so. And I'm like, but that's not really good enough. What do you think people are going to do? 
Well, of course, they're going to go to the people who give them answers, which are the technocrats, which are our enemies. So we have to be better. And to do that, it's, we have to renew the spirit and we have to renew the structure of how we do that societally as well. It's, I'm not saying I'm taking up that task. I've already taken up a big enough task as it is, but it is something that has to be done. So when it comes to us, we have to remember that our thoughts, our actions, our imprint that we leave here in this mission, in this fight that we're involved in, is going to be here after we're gone. And uh, when we understand the spiritual component to who we are, and we really accept that that's what we are, I believe that we have that courage and we, we remember who we are. We remember where we come from and where we're returning to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, that's almost a callback to what we were talking about earlier. Like, this is a transcendent journey. We're on a journey to transcend. That's like our purpose is to elevate and become more richer, fuller, and just, just become more acclimated to the world, like be more in alignment with whatever you consider a God or whatever power, you know, you look towards. And, and, and I feel like so much of what we've seen the last few years in particular has been a deliberate push to remove that from us, remove that spirit, like depress us and, and demoralize us and, and make us regress back. Like your analogy of addiction rings really true to me. You know, I'm, I'm in recovery myself. I've been, I just hit six years of sobriety here a few weeks ago. And so I like that analogy of like, yes, I am growing and moving forward and, and there's no going back. I can't go back, you know, and if I were to go back, it'd be devastating. I feel, and so as the, as the, you know, the world has gone through that. The world has gone through this amazing growth spurt, like all the way for the last few decades and centuries. And now all of a sudden we're being pushed back down. We're being told, no, you need to go back to like feudal societies and being pushed back. And so it's going against the human spirit, the human instinct to grow and transcend. And so there's a lot there. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think that uh, we, we just have to be more forward thinking uh, as a people because you know, that is why the, the men that came and founded this civilization, which became the best civilization in the history of the world, at least in terms of the, the ability to truly live with, with freedom. Um, now, if we were to think about that, they, they were not guys that were constantly looking back. You know, they weren't saying, hey, let's make America great again. What mm. that again does is it takes us back. Ooh. Well, we can't go back to some kind of Reagan era America. That, again, that doesn't exist. We've, our entire world has been fractured. So therefore, what we have to do now is go, okay, let's rebuild new, better, but what we do can't go back. And I think in this perspective, when I think of how guys and gals in our group think of this fight, we have to think of it more that way. We have to think of it more forward thinking. Like we have to be grateful that we've been given the opportunity to do this to rebuild to like shape our future mm -hmm. and we have to remember that the people that we're opposing the people that we're fighting uh, are just that they are opposition you know people often say to me why how have i even achieved any of the stuff i've achieved it's because i don't look at them as controllers i don't look at them as my overlords i look at them as my opposition mm -hmm. i look at them as people i have to take down not people that have control over me and we really all have to get to this position because we all can, because that really is the case. Like we, we've got to stop taking the devil's ticket and we've got to say, you know what, I've had enough of this. Um, you know, it's time to take you down one way or another, you know, whatever that looks like many different ways that looks, I'm not talking obviously in some kind of J six type way. Mm. I mean, socially, politically, economically, uh, you know, self-sufficiency, et cetera. Yes. And I, and I want to definitely get to the self-sufficiency community building all that part. Cause that's something I talk about a lot on the show and it's been a big part of my life and my journey the last couple of years. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about what, uh, what America 21 actually does and has accomplished. So 
one of the things I know about uh, these these groups, these NGOs that come in, is that they they figured out a long time ago that the way to best affect change is at a local level, right? Mm-hmm. Like they come into our communities and they go to your city council and they come up and they hand you a nice big old piece of legislation already written, like spell checked and everything. And they say, hey guys, maybe you should pass this, right? And then the people in the city council are like, oh yeah, that looks good. They've got a nice suit on and a PowerPoint. Let's vote it in. Yeah, sounds good, right? And then this stuff slowly over time has trickled into the communities and it's just so diabolical. And so what I hear you doing is like, you're kind of doing that same approach, but you know, you're, you're, you're fighting this at a local level, right? Is that kind of my understanding? Yeah. So uh, I think the, so the uh, people can get the deeper details obviously on the site, like you said, because mm-hmm. it, it's a really long process to, to, to explain how this all works. But in a nutshell, you know, the agenda 21 format, which began in 92, which was signed by most nations, which now is under the guise of the 2030 format, but it's the same project, just mm-hmm. different timelines of the same project. Now, in this case, yeah, most of it is to turn your county, your city, your, your metro area into a, a kind of district, city-state, region-state of global governance. Let's just say for argument's sake, Switzerland, United Nations, you know, you can use either place. It's not really any, it's not really the United Nations or World Economic Forum. It's really, you know, the, the core stakeholders of, which is like, Bank of International Settlements, BlackRock, people like that. But easy way to think of it, UN takes the city, and now the city reports on policy straight to the UN. So now you kind of have a global governance where all these major metro areas of the world are locked into one global system that bypasses the nation, and in many cases, even the state. And People might think, well, that sounds weird or that sounds crazy, but unfortunately, it's already there. It's already in law for most places. You know, most if you go onto where your city is and you type in, let's say, Seattle, whatever county it is, Sustainable Development 2030, you'll find it. It's there. And it's already been signed into law to be triggered. Um, Mm -hmm. So in this case, we now have to do more of a kind of a reversal of that. And the beautiful thing, obviously, about this is that's really quite possible. As we've seen in our work, uh, you can kind of take out now, can you take out Seattle? No, but you can take out half of Washington pretty easily, Mm. Washington State in this case. And you can hollow out most of everything around Seattle and be like, okay, you thought you were going to lock us in, but actually you've just locked yourselves in because we own the rest of the state. (laughs) So, and that's kind of how it works. And that's what we've been seeing. So that's kind of the idea of America 21 is to kind of hollow out the globalist uh, project and just re- regain that territory for ourselves. Will that's we awesome. regain it all? No, I don't think so. I think the country is going to split to some degree. What that split will look like, hard to tell, but I think it's going to look something like those major states and areas will, will be part of this global governance project, like most of the world. But most of our middle American territory will, will, be, will not be. We would have mm-hmm. taken that back. And then we have a country still the size of Europe, even with half America. So, you know, we have to bear in mind when the founding father set it up, you know, when Jefferson, who was the third president, like America is like less than a third of the size that it is now. No, again, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just speaking realities of mm-hmm. what is likely going to happen. So we don't have to be afraid of what San Francisco or Los Angeles are going to do. We don't have to fight for that anymore. What we have to do is do what we know we can do, which is to take back everything that we actually have territory over, which is most of it. Yeah. And that's wise. I mean, and yeah. Throughout. If you look at any sort of map, like like a red versus blue map, it's just overwhelming. Like even where I just I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee from Oregon, 
And if you look at Oregon, it's really just that tiny little strip from Portland to Eugene. It's just like a, it's like a very small section of the state. The whole rest of the state's bright red, you know? Right. Um, I mean, Oregon's a very, very red state, but it's like just Portland, Eugene. They just ruin it for everybody. <laughs> so Yeah. Oh, and I, I do want to say on that last point that I just mentioned that places like Portland and uh, Eugene or like, you know, even parts of California, it's very possible that just with the tidal wave, of pressure that they actually fall in our direction. Mm-hmm. It's very possible that the 50 state union could actually retain just simply through the fact that we're going to have like energy and they won't like gas running and they don't, we have food production and they have crickets mm-hmm. and it's very well. Then <laughs> they could just be like, I don't want to like, I, I, I'm not that woke. I would rather <laughs> go back, you know? So I don't think it's impossible for us to retain and rebuild the entire country. But I'm saying even in worst case scenario, we still have a country the size of Europe with half the size. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like whether like however you want to frame it, secession, national divorce, like what what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I do think the divorce will happen, which is why I don't focus on on like many of my predecessors who came before me, who um, people that were trying to fight global governance in a in a, you know, I guess a system way where I believe they made a mistake, and I don't want to say any names because I appreciate their work, but where I think they made a fatal error was in trying to change places like San Francisco. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not even going to bother on that. Why would I, when I can take back 500 million acres between Mm -hmm. here and San Francisco, why would I waste my time? And then San Francisco will have to come onto our door and knock our door because we have the food, the energy, and the water resources. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. And then we can deal with them. And we have the leverage and they don't. And this is the game theory we have to play. We have to think of it that way. Rather than thinking of it the way we used to think of it, which is I'm going to go evangelize. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is, well, then you've lost your ground that you actually just had by trying to go over there to tell them (laughs) to lose their ground. So in this case, we just have to come from a position of strength. And to come from a position of strength, we have to work out, not not into out, but out uh, to in, right? Or I the hand movements were correct, but the way I said it was yeah, 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 yeah. in and out, right? Um, And then what we do is we just uh, constantly widen the perimeter to the point where we have like control and have regained sovereignty over most of the country. And like I said, in that case, I think they will divorce and they will go towards. A global governance they won't be their own country there won't be anything really as countries i mean it, we can look at this in the eu already the eu the countries aren't really countries anymore already like they have a flag they don't even have a passport i know because i used to be in the eu mm. although uk of course isn't in the eu anymore so my old british passport now would actually just be a british passport but when we were in the eu it said european union at the top so the european union already is its own passport mm. Right, the the flag that says France or Germany or whatever EU country it is, it's just like customary. It's not. It doesn't mm. mean anything. So in this case, we, your, their new country, quote unquote, might still retain some kind of nominal identity, but that's about it. Just in the same way it is in the EU or whatever. The reality is they won't actually have any country, any sovereignty, any any decision making power. Um, so I think the divorce would basically just mean they would become part of the global system with everybody else. And we would remain in America and we'd have mm-hmm. a country. Mm-hmm. In this case in particular, I do think it's important we have to frame it this way. They're seceding, not us, right? Like yeah. we are the ones that are retaining America. 
we want to, to keep America because the only problems we have with America are the problems that they've brought to America. You know, so the reality is, is that once we sort of remove the parasite that has been kind of eating away at the country, uh, you know, America will be the great country that it is again. Um, so in this case, they're seceding, we're staying. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I mean, I'm kind of down with that. You know, I don't know. Let them let them have those. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let them have it, dude. So I want uh, over here on the, on the website. Um, I know that there's a there's a link to donate, right? And so I definitely want to encourage everybody to go uh, donate and support. Oh yeah, there it is, right at the top. Donate. So. Um, yeah, I you, don't make you, it easy to donate, do I? I should probably try a bit harder. No, you like, did good. You did good. You did, I, I clicked on the wrong thing. It's right there at the top. I'm yeah. just losing my marbles. But what I was going to say is that uh, those contributions go a long way. You've actually been winning some good battles, and you're kind of setting a blueprint for the rest of the country and people to act locally as well. So let's talk about a little. Let's talk a little bit about some of the victories that you've been having. So what what are uh, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment since maybe we last talked? Yeah. So. Um, the way that we work in the organization, and I have a few different guys who work with me in the organization. One of them, Brian Vecchio, is Jordan Maxwell's inheritor. Um, cool. So he's he was, for all intents and purposes, like Jordan's son. And um, he's on the team, and, and he helps with like relationships and stuff like that. What I do is basically what we're talking about. I do the strategic development, and I try to do the political game theory with the most powerful resourceful people in the history of the world which isn't always easy to do but that's the that's my role as the president and founder of the the, the idea so we have a few guys in the organization and we try to obviously facilitate different parts what we do is we focus on state level state government state legislature um, because it's really everyone else's job to to focus on their local area their county and every county makes a big difference. And like I said, ultimately it rolls out in the county. But our perspective is if we can kind of get the state government to facilitate it, that kind of goes to the rest of the state. That's the first win. It's just efficiency. But the other aspect is we also need to think about this more long term as we're building a union with these states, right? And uh, there are loose unions in the country already that most people don't know about. Um, one example is in Montana, they ended their climate membership, which is a union of states in America that have a climate union. And these things are never even told to people. So the point is, is that this kind of 13 colonies, original America style way of doing things, of creating like a union of states within the country uh, is not new. It's not just the original intent, but it still happens today. It's just the only the globalists that do it. But they're creating like these union networks within states to do the sustainable development stuff. So all that to say, so I, what I do is I go to the states, I try to speak to the legislators, senators, um, attorney generals that will actually want to listen. And there are some that do. And in this case, and I, I essentially do the policy advisor. I'm an advisor. I'm like the anti-New World Order version of Zbigniew Brzezinski or Henry Kissinger. I'm nice. like our version of that. Nice. where I go in and I try to infiltrate the government and facilitate it back towards the good. So I, I do, that's kind of my role is to be, to try to take our requests, our concerns about the new world order and facilitate them in the state governments to make sure that we're taking back territory. Cause I'm all about the, the, the local self-sufficiency and I've written about that in the thesis, but my duty is to try to make sure that we still have like a country and to do that, it's we can do it if we have these states, because then we, if we have the state law on our side against the Great Reset, 
we have everything that comes with that, whether that's the food production, the energy production, the construction, the water, the sheriffs, you know, the healthcare, whatever. So for me, it's all about efficiency. So what we do is we hit the states and then we have, uh, you know, volunteers, activists all over the country that do their town, their county. And that's all you need to do because as each county begins to retract this, they're losing more and more power. You could look like a battery going down, right? It's like it's literally draining of it to the point where once you have 100, 200, 300 counties out, they've lost half the country, you know? So, and that's the power that you have to affect change just where you live. That's awesome. And, and, but, but yeah, I mean, that sounds incredible. So you're like, uh, you're like the, the Klaus Schwab, you're like seizing the, what, what does he say? Like infiltrating the cabinets, exactly. right? Like all that. Yeah, I'm yeah, infiltrating yeah. the governments on the yeah. side of the people, yeah. you know, cause yeah. the, we, we have to, this was a tough thing for me to come to terms with because, you know, I've ne I've, uh, I, you know, I used to be very libertarian, used to be kind of against government to mm -hmm. be honest. Um, but I had to come to this conclusion. I came to this really through philosophical study, um, which is that ultimately nature abhors a vacuum. And we see this in, in real scientific terms. The Biosphere 2 project in 1989 is a good example. So they did, I think it was 88 or 89. And what they did is they tried to grow trees in a vacuum and the trees died. I don't know if you've heard of the, the experiment. The mm. reason the trees didn't grow in a vacuum is because trees need wind. Mm. So essentially, this is, a, this is a really profound spiritual point, which is without resistance, the trees can't actually grow. Whoa. So when they put them in the vacuum, the trees die. They can't actually recreate it because actually they need that little bit of struggle, just as we do, to overcome, to adapt, to transcend, to grow. The point is, is the, the vacuum killed the trees. Vacuums don't exist in nature, is my point. Mm -hmm. So we can remove the government tomorrow and the next most powerful group will fill that role and become the government instead. Mm -hmm. So in this case, we go, okay, state government gone. Finally, we're free. Uh, well, actually, the mafia just took it. Okay, maybe they're not the next most powerful. Maybe it's another gang. Maybe it's the cartels. Maybe it's the new world order itself. They go, finally, we've got the representative government out of the way. <laughs> we can actually just roll in now and just take it over because that's what we always wanted to do anyway. So... I had to kind of recalibrate how I thought about politics and, and strategy and, and power. And the reality is, is if good doesn't have the power, evil does. But someone will mm -hmm. because nature abhors a vacuum. So it is better that we, us, the people, we, the people, infiltrate our own governments and take the power. And that's what we're doing. So then they don't have it. So the evil people don't have it. So they don't have it over us. We have to have it so they don't have it over us. That's so that's important, I think, for us to remember. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, man. Like, I've kind of been on quite a journey with the whole libertarian philosophy myself, honestly. Like, uh, I've had some of my ideas challenged, and what you just said there is a definitely a good, uh, you know, another another uh, argument for something that I maybe have fundamentally kind of come to be like, yeah, no government, anarchy, you know, all that stuff. And then it's like, you know, speci like yeah, specifically when it comes around, like, the Federal Reserve is pointed out to me. It's like, you know, okay, we end the Federal Reserve, you know, all this stuff tomorrow, and then the next day someone will be out there, uh, you know, providing loans to people just like, just like it was just like the same old system. Like the, the system <laughs> yeah. will exist. Like, like somebody well, want to take out a loan, you know, and it's just like, well, there we go back to where we were. So we can definitely uh, sharpen it and improve it. Right. That, but, but yes. to do that, right. Like to have moral government, we have to have good people mm -hmm. in the government to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same with science and stuff where we look at the COVID scam and we look at all this and we're like, 
well, it's because all the good people have been convincing them to not go into those disciplines. So we don't have any good people in science or law anymore or in government because all the good people are like, fuck it. It's a waste of time. And I used to do this myself. I used to be like, fuck it. I'm not going to university. Like it's all a bunch of bullshit. And I, I still largely believe that, but I'm saying is the vacuum needs to be filled by good or it'll be filled by evil. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean though that we can't have freedom. We should have freedom, but we still need the power to make sure we have freedom because then having that power, say the state government, if BlackRock come in and they say social credit score, I say, all right, national guards go in, shut down BlackRock by force. Now that's a forceful, violent action to retain our freedom, not to take it. But if we couldn't do that, then BlackRock just roll in and say, we've got $30 trillion. We'll just hire a mercenary army and you guys are fucked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos for being on the front lines, fighting things that we're not even aware about, like the whole climate membership thing. Like, that's insane, you know? And so great job on that. But the one that I know that everybody's heard about that I know you've had quite an impact on is the uh, the vaccine. The, okay, so you guys helped end the mandatory vaccinations, including for private businesses. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this wasn't really... I, I had very little to do with this but okay. it was the it was the the uh let's call it the america 21 faction within the state government that, gotcha. that did that so i have like a loose coalition of politicians who who see the great reset as a very real thing as a very real threat um and understand that blackrock esg social credit scores and these things are very real so there are factions within good states i can't say the same for every state but but I'm definitely sure there is in Tennessee and places mm-hmm. like that as well. I would be willing to bet my house that there's a good faction of those people that understand that. So then I just go in and I advise them and I work with them on this process, on this education process. So then um, that was the group that did the banning of the mandatory vaccination. But it wasn't at my request. It was the it, you could look at it as just like one ongoing process of like gotcha. cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. Good. Um, the i think the the big one i mean there's probably two major ones i should probably say one was the rejection of the uh agenda 2030 executive order that biden put in the 30 by 30. now that was the this is one of the most important ones which is very rarely spoken about if they're going to funnel us into these major metro area districts of global governance they need the land well the way they get the land is through this executive order through quote conserving it for a climate change there goes our water resources, our hunting ability, our camping, traveling ability, more importantly, our energy and our food production with a lot of that land, especially in places like the Dakotas and Montana, where we have like one of the single biggest oil pipelines in the world. Mm. And I know a lot of people are against oil, but I, my position is that oil is a naturally occurring resource in the planet, like water. I don't believe it's fossil fuels at all. Mm-hmm. That's a Rockefeller lie. So I don't have any problem with oil because oil is natural like water. It's a, just a resource from the earth which we use for energy. And it's almost unlimited like water as well. So anyway, um, by rejecting that executive order, we've basically taken back 20 million acres of land, which is for ranchers and farmers to continue their food, as well as near one of the biggest energy pipelines in the world. So we don't freeze to death in 10 years. Um, so that's a major one from a practical standpoint and one that we're going to continue going we do that just in 10 more states we've taken like more land back than has been taken since like the revolution you know it's quite an amazing thing i made a joke about it on telegram i'm actually responsible for taking more farmland than bill gates except yeah again towards the good to to actually go to the farmers um you know so that's the one and i guess the other one was the state government's policy so parties have a you know policy platform 
And in there, we got two policy platforms, which basically is the filtering method, a little bit like the sustainable development stuff. These are filtering methods. So when governments have legislation that comes up, they look at the policy, like what do we believe in, right? As a, as a party, as a government. And then they vote based on those belief systems, you know, pro-life, anti-cannabis, pro-cannabis, whatever. So in this case, we've got social engineering section in, there, in, the, in the government policy that says we're against social engineering, including a social credit score, social credit system, mm-hmm. and BlackRock's ESG. That's major. And then the other one is uh, global governance, where it says openly we are against any form of global governance, World Economic Forum, and United Nations, labeled specifically. So that is official state policy now yeah you know well it's kind of you know who could have thought that a few years ago i mean it would they would have called that conspiracy theory and now state governments are adopting it so i think that these things show us there are people that we can reach if we do the things right and the activist page on the website can train you on everything you need to know there's a video literally watch the video and just send the letter the letters attached to it so it's super easy watch the video send the letter um and then all we need to do is just pack the committee rooms the, the when legislation is going to pass or fail, the final point is they have state committee rooms. So most likely in the capital of your your state, wherever the capital uh, state legislature is, mm-hmm. all you need to do is just send like 50 people down, 100 people down to the committee room and just bang on the door and say, we don't want a social credit system. They'll pass it. They'll pass the law, the ban, because the reason most state governments just get away with doing whatever they want is because no one ever goes to the committee. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Mark, I know we got just a few more minutes here and I wanted to definitely touch on the self-sufficiency aspect. So you, yeah. you talk a lot about it in your thesis and uh, I know that that's, that's the key, you know, removing our dependence from this dying system is really the crucial and our, not only our dependence, but also that the leverage that they have on us, you know, by removing our dependence, you know, that's the leverage they use to coerce us into doing whatever right. it is they want us to do. So self-sufficiency is absolutely the key. And you talk a lot about it in your thesis. So people can go reference that, but what would be your final, uh, kind of words of wisdom around that? Yeah. I think, um, someone doing this really well is Owen Benjamin. Oh, um, do you see this? You see this? Oh, oh yeah. That's funny. There yeah. you go. That's, that's cool. Up, dude. Um, I haven't watched Owen in, in, in quite some time, but um, he's on fire these days. I, uh, I, de- I just, um, again, trying to stay alive, trying to not get assassinated yeah. by BlackRock for costing them so far about a hundred billion dollars. But, um, in this case, uh, I think he does it really well. I know Derek bros has freedom yep. cells as well. Yep. Um, I, I feel like, uh, uh, Benjamin's approach is a good one in terms of like, Hey, look, let's just like, grow our own food network, make sure we have community, make sure you have children. I think that's great because it's very, it's, I mean, freedom is implicit in it, but it's family oriented, which I like. Um, but this is really the idea. And it, it, it's, I think the key thing for us to know is you can't have freedom without sovereignty and you can't have sovereignty without self-sufficiency. And, and early America knew this. That's why it was such a powerhouse because it was like, we don't need the world for anything. We can grow everything here. We have all the energy we need. We have all the most productive people on the planet because we've taken like the Irish to work. We've taken the Germans to produce. We've taken the English to do the law. It's like, dude, you can't compete with that. No one can compete with that. It's like you have all the best shit. What we lost was that the founding fathers explicitly stated Thomas Paine being one of the notable early ones stated this. Like we, we have to be self-sufficient. We have to grow our own stuff, produce everything. And when we do that, no one has any hold over us. Well, that applies to us individually as well. And it can just be little things like growing some food. 
I think the most important one is the community. You have to yeah. have good people around you to trust and help out. Like we have a lot of snow where I live and, and my uh, nearby neighbor came and uh, snow blown the drive for me. Um, it, just little things like that make a huge difference, man. Community, self-sufficiency. And I would say like as far as like investments and money and things, I think it just think like, is this like actually worth anything? This is my problem mm. with with currencies of all kinds, um, invest in things that, you know, you're actually going to use basically. Yeah, absolutely. Like the community piece is huge, man. And, and what you mentioned there are my two go-tos. Like I've like the freedom cells movement, freedomcells.org had a huge impact on me. That was what got me through the lockdowns out in Oregon, met a lot of people through there. And then, uh, Bertaria with, with the Bertaria times app. So they got a whole social media app, like networking. And we do reg like, I've met a whole bunch of the other Bertaria people here in Tennessee. We do meetups all the time. That's cool. A bunch of us road tripped out to Missouri for the first bear festival out there. And there should be another one that's coming Missouri or it's coming like, uh, August. It was in August last year. I don't know when it's going to be this year, but you should try and make it, man. It'd be fun. Yeah. But that, uh, yeah, I'm sure that would be a fun time. Yeah, you yeah. know, so that's a perfect group to achieve something like yep. this because you just kind of go, Hey, we're going to grab 50 of our, our bears and we're just yep. going to go down to the committee room and say, Hey, you remember that legislation that came through about the ESG social credit system? We don't want it here. Yeah. We don't and want it. Pretty much. They're going to go with the people. Yep. So you, you guys are well suited for that. Yep. Awesome, man. Right on, Mark. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. This has been fantastic. Uh, just tell the people where they can find you and uh, how they can support you. I got the links in the description to your telegram and to the, uh, the website, but any final words you have for them? Yeah. So I, I think just bear in mind that this is a much more achievable than it has been made to sound. What I'm trying to, what I do on the website, when you go to the artworks and just go to the activism, watch the video, get the letter. I've already written out for you. Send it. You'll, you'll be surprised how much we've done, like the work we've achieved, we've done on less than $5,000. I've only had $5,000 in donations in a year and a half. Not Damn. knocking it, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, we've done work that people with millions of dollars have never done just by applying ourselves in the correct way and putting the proper pressure where it needs to be done. And I think this is the important thing we just have to know is that this is not an unconquerable beast. It's very weak if you hit it in the pressure points. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. We'll keep up the fantastic work. And then anytime you want to come back and uh, chat, you're more than welcome. And uh, let me know if there's anything else developing that I can out, out on all my platforms as well. So, uh, yeah, man, just keep up the good work. And everybody, please go support Mark, uh, America21Century.com. Links are in the description. And, uh, yeah, just get out. Remember, remember, guys, I got a new I got a new call out. There. What do you call it? Like a sign-off, a new sign-off. It's uh, no fear, just crushing in 2023, baby. That's it. That's it. All right, guys, take care. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. There you go.